Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon! Good morning, Lyle. Morning, Mon. How's it going? Going fantastic, going amazing. Yeah, what are you grateful for? I am grateful for the fact that we have Big Camp coming up at the end of this week, which is going to be so incredible. exciting, isn't it? Yes, big Christian convention, one of the biggest in Australia, taking place at Stewart's Point on the north New South Wales coast, up there near Coffs Harbour, right on the beach, right on a lagoon, surrounded by nature, people living in caravans and cabins and tents. Man, you are selling it right now. It'd be like two and a half thousand people there. And it has a tuck shop with really tasty pies and pasties. Yes. Vegetarian. That <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited Okay, so you've got to be pies. there. Be there. Figure out a way to be there. Yeah, you know Get us called. We'll find a way for you to be there if you want to be there. I'm sure there is a way. I think it's probably... Yeah, there'll be a way. Do you know why, I'm, always you know why I'm so Where excited about the there's pies and pasties? I have no idea. Because last year when I went to camp, it was my first time at this particular big camp, and I was I, I was so astounded to see so many delicious variations of vegetarian, but because I had like, you know, veggie meat, nut meat, all that kind of stuff, which is so rare to find like, you know, anywhere else in the world. And... um. I was doing a juice fast at the time and I couldn't touch any of them. (laughs) (laughs) This time... I'm going to stuff my face. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. And then you'll come back and one will be be talking about her juice fasting. So this time you're going to do it after Big Camp rather than before Big Camp. Lyle will have to roll me into the studio. Yeah. Anyway, it's going to be a great great program coming up today. We have, uh, in my opinion, Lyle, one of the best interviews that we've had ever on the show. I'm so excited about this one. This one really touched my heart and it really is uh, a great interview for, I guess, just the regular Aussies. Just at you, 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 We have coming on the show your regular Aussie bloke. True blue Aussie bloke. Yeah. yeah. Just telling the story his that life so many was people completely are completely transformed by Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so many people can identify with this story. And like, it, yeah, it really touched my heart. It's been one of my favorite ones all this year, uh, this interview. Um, so stay tuned for that. We also have a, a phenomenal giveaway going in conjunction with the interview. So stay tuned for that giveaway. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, great show coming up. Great show coming up. It is. We know all about it because, of course, it is the delayed broadcast. If you'd like to listen to the live show, then you know how to do that. Faithfm.com.au is where we would love to meet up with you. Indeed. Download the TuneIn app. Go to the faithfm.com.au website. There's so many ways you can hook up with us. We are just reaching out to you, so come on board and reach out to us via the live show. It's so much more fun on the live show. You'll you, you really enjoy it. Uh, but anyway, stay tuned. We have a great show coming for you right now after this song. This is a real special tune. I think you'll enjoy it. Shines light on me. Open up my eyes so I can see. When I look up in the darkest night, then I know everything's gonna be alright. In deep confusion, in great despair, when I reach out for Him, He is there. When I am lonely as I can be, 
Then I know that God shines His light on me La 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 sick and he heals the lame says you can do it too in Jesus name yes he'll lift you up and turn you around and he puts your feet back on higher ground reach out for him he'll be there willing your trouble Oh, you can use his higher power any day, at any hour. Heals the sick, and he heals the lame. Says you can do it too, in Jesus' name. Yes, he'll lift you up and turn you around. Put your feet back on higher ground. Back guys, that was the idea of North uh, with uh, Whenever God Shines His Light here on Faith FM. And we have somebody calling in to share what they are thankful for this morning. Graham, Hello. welcome to the show. Hello, Graham. Hello, it's Wayne. Hey, would you like to share with us what you're thankful for this morning? Yeah, I'm grateful to be grateful. Grateful to be grateful. <laughs> Amen. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm grateful that i got a choice on how I react and grateful to be patient. It's such a good point, isn't it? We definitely have the power um, to choose how we react to all the situations that we're put in life. We're not as helpless as you know we often think we are. And it's a it's a really good reminder, Graham, that you know we can certainly play a part, no matter how helpless we might feel. You know, God gives us the power and He imbues us with the strength to choose to be grateful in every situation we can be in. <laughs> Fantastic, Graham! Thank yeah. you so much for calling in this morning. No right. worries. I was giving peace signs on the highway, but I'm grateful I haven't got charged for giving peace signs on the highway. <laughs> Graham, if I saw you giving me a peace sign on the highway, I'd give you some peace back. <laughs> 
Fantastic. That was Graham calling in to share what he's grateful for this morning. If you would like to share what you are grateful for, then you know what our number is, 1-800-324-843. Give us a call and we would love to hear from you. Uh, next, we have a clue for our quiz. What have you got for us? Yes, this morning we have a what number am I quiz. So clue number one is this. Elijah challenged this many prophets of Asherah who ate at Jezebel's table. If you know the answer, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. And uh, if you get it right this morning, we are going to give you the prize of a great book called The Antichrist Agenda. Spooky, spooky stuff. This is by Danny Shelton and Shelley J. Quinn. Uh, it's a really great book all about the powers of the unseen world, the agenda that they're promoting to vanquish God's authority and how the Bible truths unveil all their nefarious plans and end time events. So give us a call if you want to get a copy of the Antichrist Agenda and if you know the answer to the quiz. Do you know the answer, Lyle? Um, I was actually fiddling with the phone. Not paying attention at all. And not paying attention at all. I have no no idea even what the quiz question was. Okay, excellent. This means, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you a quick little uh, opportunity there to get two prizes. If you can call up and get the answer right before Lyle does, I will send you two prizes. I'll send you the Antichrist Agenda plus a cookbook, Nature's Superfoods, if you can quickly call me and tell me before Lyle. There you go. Two prizes up for grabs right there. Because Lyle wasn't listening. That's what you get caught when you get caught with... uh Attempting to multitask. Yes, attempting to multitask. That's right. (laughs) You know what? Before we... Moving on on from there. Moving on on from there. Moving on from there. Go on. Some positively different news. Oh, so you want to move on, but you want me to move on. That's what you're saying. I can move on if you like. I can share some positively different news. Yeah, sure you can. I just want to say that working here has really been a study in like male and female differences. I I really didn't realize how much women have the monopoly on, on multitasking. Until I came here and had to observe you attempting to multitask. <laughs> and men have the monopoly on being able to... Go on. Go on. Get yourself into some hot water. Focus. <laughs> ah, okay, Uninterrupted anyway. focus. Speaking of a focused man, mm-hmm. talk about an excellent segue. Tap on the back yep, for me. Yep, okay, so there's a, there's a young man... This is so cool, Lyle. A young fellow in India who was absolutely determined to save his country's water supply. Um, so this guy, his name's... Uh, I'm going to butcher this. I'm really sorry to all Indians listening. Ramveer Tanwa, 26-year-old engineer. Um, so he had gone overseas uh, do, uh, to do, doing university and he came back and he had seen uh, the devastating effects of drought. So just to give you an idea, in 15 years, this region had had 13 droughts. And so here's a picture I'm showing Lyle and it really is that sort of typical wow, yeah. drought picture with the cracked crack dry ground and just, you know, dusty. The, like If you were to Google image the word drought, this place would probably pop up. And uh, he... He decided that he was going to do something about this. He was going to, and I love this. I love that he was like, do you know what? Let me do something about it. You know, not just, you know, leave it up to the government or to some, you know, eco group or whatever. He decided that he was going to do something. And he started with what I always say people should start with, and that is education. Um, so apparently, like a lot of the older villagers were kind of oblivious to the seriousness of the situation. Um, they kind of refused to believe that there could be any such thing as a lack of water or that the water would never come back. And so there was just this sort of, 
not like a head in the sand kind of approach, but just like a, I guess it's a missing link in the education about how drought can work and, and just devastate an entire region. And so he began to talk to the um, older people so they could be, you know, inspired. And he began to talk to the kids in the villages. And then uh, he, he literally just went door to door, traveled from house to house. Uh, began to teach the residents about the critical condition of the water. And then he even um, started to have weekly classes in like community centers so people could come in and okay, learn more. Okay, okay, okay. But we live in a dry continent. If education is the solution to stopping drought, then our continent would be green from one side to the other. No, no, what no, is keep, he actually no, no, teaching no, them listening, to do? Keep listening, keep uh, listening. Uh, uh. So what he did, after he sort of imp- implemented in their minds that they have an issue and they need to do something about it, he then taught them how to fix it. And so uh, he said, you know, the little bits of water that we have left, like the little bits of rivers and lakes, we need to look after them. So he just he taught them and he got them to also get into the whole, like, you know, what can we do spirit. Um, of how to resuscitate their lakes and rivers. Um, so they started collectively uh, picking the trash and the junk out of their water supplies. They started planting tree saplings around the water's perimeter in order to protect the, the shoreline and to lower the, the water table level. And um, and just just all kinds of really guys. He actually taught them how to install double water filtration systems uh, made out of wood and grass. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he also urged local fish, fish farmers to bring in aquatic bottom feeders that could eat up the smaller bits of particle waste to keep the water clean. I want to show you, Lyle, a series of before and after pictures that are going to blow your mind. So this is this is just practical and natural things that practical natural. This is like this is like in rural India where they don't really have you know access to much of anything. Just third world kind of stuff. He he started this five years ago, right? In the meantime, he's helped revive. Like once he's finished his village, he's like, let's just keep going. He's revived ten lakes across the region, and his initiative has sparked efforts in over fifty other villages, and to the point where the government has decided to launch Groundwater Army, which is a co- conservation groups in each district of the state, and they hired this guy as the program's coordinator. Ah, uh, nice. And he now like spends his Create days. Create yourself a job. Exactly. I'm going to show you these pictures. These pictures, like, I can't even exaggerate how amazing they are. So, first you start off with something that looks like a sewer, mm. and then afterwards looks like an oasis. You just got just from, like, it looks like a mud pool to, like, a huge dam, just greenery everywhere. There's one that I'm showing Lyle right now. It's literally a dry riverbed, not a drop of water in sight. And then the next picture is... Full of water. Full of water. Full to the brim. So these are incre- just incredible before Those and afters. Those are sensational They're good, aren't photos. they? And it does make you stop and think because, you know, traveling through developing countries like we were in Ethiopia, and you see so many opportunities all around you for what people could be doing, you know, with these kind of things in a very practical way to make their lives so much better. But you just sort of think, you take it for granted that we all understand these kind of principles, and That's so in, right. in, in this country, we would we would naturally protect our water supplies, yeah, and and our water resources. I guess there is a a lot more um, lack of education out there than what we realise. I think I think it's not so much just a lack of education at like a higher governmental level. I think if everyone, if everyone on the street, every you know, every regular Joe understood completely how to deal with it they can all be part of they can all be links in the chain mm-hmm. to be to be part of the team that resuscitates it it's not good enough just to presume that some task force has been assigned to do this from the government and we don't need to do anything we don't need to educate, educate ourselves yeah, on these, it. These, 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 are, these are the kind of projects where every single person on the street 
can be and needs to be involved. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, th- I mean, I don't know if you've seen recently, but they've started to look into having um, advertising campaigns in Australia uh, about where to recycle chemicals and this kind of stuff. And they're having these uh, chemical recycling for, uh, community centres opening up where you can go and like dump your unwanted household cleaners. And I, and I thought this is a really great initiative because it's both, you know, it, the posters are both educational as well as informational. But at the same time, I'm like, I feel like this is too little too late. We should have been doing this stuff like back in the seventies when we were starting to get hold of you yeah, know, yeah, really yeah, terrible yeah. household cleaners that can really wreak havoc. Like yeah. education sort of should have preceded access to these things. So I think it's really great that uh, this guy um, has gone out door to door and just door knocked and taught people about the importance of water. And now everyone's doing their piece, and it's just got an amazing success. So yeah, wonderful story coming out of India. I want to post some of these pictures up on Facebook so you can have a look at just the before and after. So even just seeing the before and after pictures just makes you so happy. Anyway, stay tuned. This is Anthem with Because He Lives here on Faith FM. And do we have another clue for our quiz there, Mon? Yeah, we do, Lyle. Are you going to pay attention this time and actually get it? <laughs> well, we'll see. 
clue number two. Oh, wow. Hang on. Let me just fix my hair. This is on Instagram, by the way. I was going to say, this is a thing called radio where people, you know, you can be however you want. But see, this now, is going to Instagram, yeah, so you do see, need to have your hair right. If you'd been savvy, Lyle, in the break there, you could have jumped on Instagram and caught what the first clue was or even what kind of quiz this was. <laughs> yeah, well, I was kind of busy, wasn't I? Be some, one some of our fixing savvy... Their hair while others were working. Oh, please, I'm going to just fix my hair now. Be savvy, unlike Lyle, and jump on our Instagram and check out our Insta story where you can see all our clues going up live with my um, fixed hair. Okay, here we go. What number am I? Gamaliel told how Theodos and this many of his followers came to nothing because they were not of God. <laughs> What's You've so funny about joking. that? That's the most random clue I have ever heard. Yeah, to be Who honest, the answer that one. To be honest, that that clue was much. I'm going to take than a stab. That clue was much harder than the first one. Yeah, so yeah, if yeah. you had heard the first one, they oh. <laughs> <laughs> should have put that one first. Actually, it's one of these quizzes where the clues just get harder and harder. <laughs> anyway, Lyle has got it wrong. He's written down the wrong answer for me to look at. <laughs> Give us a call. As we'll You'll take a get two prizes this morning. Pull out a number and go for it. The Antichrist agenda and a copy of Nature Superfoods coming your way if you can answer it before Lyle. One eight hundred Faith FM. All right. So in uh, other news from around the world, well, let me yes. see what we should we talk about today. Uh, maybe cassowaries. we'll talk about the, um, the cassowaries. Mon has had this um, fascination <laughs> with cassowaries this morning. The, the cassowary is the world's most dangerous bird, and there was a man just killed in Florida. <laughs> First ever is- legitimately recorded death by cassowary incident. Just, just want to say that. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. I'm not so sure about that. No, it is first legitimate right. recorded. Yeah, There's urban maybe, myths. Maybe, maybe. Sorry, I'm so into conspiracy theories regarding cassowaries. <laughs> but it is a tragedy. And it is we a do tragedy. Need to, um, we, 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 we should. What you know, What was an American our thoughts, our thoughts in Florida on, doing with an breeding, Australian? He was breeding cassowaries. Exotic, exotic bird. Yeah, you can get a license to do that. And uh, yeah, our thoughts and our prayers go out to this. Yeah, uh, absolutely. This it is definitely a tragedy, but you do need to be really careful. Cassowaries are probably the most territorial bird in the planet. So yeah, and I mean, how many other birds have actually killed a human being? Yeah, yeah. So I think they still classify as the world's most dangerous bird, which kind of you know just increases our reputation. Why is it that Africa is full of like the most vicious, dangerous creatures on the planet, but everybody thinks Australia is the most I can, dangerous? I country? can tell you why. I can tell you why because like just like the cassowary. They're very territorial, right? Our animals are often very territorial, even koalas. In Africa, though, I could, this astounded me. Like when I went on safari, you could drive the safari van right up to the tippy toes of lions and leopards and cheetahs with their babies and they just wouldn't care. They just looked at you and they would yawn and lick themselves like, oh, more of you guys. This is why Australia and is the more hippos were, the hippos were like yeah, that. Yeah, hippos just roll over and go back to sleep. So yeah, it's it's that's why the animals might be more dangerous if you actually got into a tussle with them, but they don't tussle. We're here in Australia, man. You can't look at them sideways. They're out. <laughs> 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 that's what we love to tell all Americans when they visit. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. Sorry, go on. So we're going to talk about this uh, floating island in Bangladesh, Ooh, yes. and a floating island, of course, is a silt island. Okay. So a silt island is an island that forms from very, very fine particles of soil that are washed out into a bay and the way the ocean currents form is that it will wash them together and push them up into an island. And so this island formed about uh, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. It is called Bashan Cha. 
Okay. It is about a three-hour boat ride from the mainland, um, quite a large silt island. It has been used, you know, a little bit by fishermen. They've grazed a bit of cattle on it and so forth. Oh, you couldn't possibly do anything proper with it, though. It's, it's kind of really hard dangerous. because the thing with silt islands is that they move. They change location. Yeah, okay, yeah. And so you can find a silt island that will actually, um, as the silts and the sands move, it will drift out into the ocean or, or it will drift back up into the bay or it might disappear entirely. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was, this was an island that didn't, didn't, did not exist 10 years ago and now mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. there's an island there. And 10 years ago when it first arrived, it first arrived as a fairly large island for something that just appears out of nowhere. Um, it's you know, tripled in size since but can just as easily disappear. So it's definitely not stable. Yeah, so this is a this is a uh, a fascinating place. I would love to visit it, but you wouldn't want to invest in it. But I wouldn't want to invest in it, and yeah. I wouldn't want to live there. Oh no, no, no! Much too dangerous. Okay, so the uh, the nation of Bangladesh is uh, building a refugee camp on the island. What? Um, they are uh, building buildings on it. They plan to f- to house over one hundred thousand refugees there in blockhouses. Um, the blockhouses are designed to house uh, 16 to 25 families each, and each family will get a room that is 3.6 metres by 1.2 metres. Surely this is a very, very bad idea. Yeah, it is rather concerning. Now, the problem with Bangladesh, of course, is you've got a, a small country of 162 million people, and available land on which to build a you know a refugee camp is relatively unavailable. You've got a country that, you know, regularly half of the, you know, when it floods, half of the country goes underwater. It's a very low-lying country. It's a country that's largely made of silt already. Um, and it's a, it's a country that struggles to feed itself. But surely anywhere on the mainland is going to be better than an island that at any point could suddenly start disappearing. I mean, can you imagine how much money they're going to have to pour into building these these ridiculous tiny houses for so many people? I feel like it's just like a temporal money waster. Like you're just going to build all these huts and then like within the next 10 years, the whole thing's going to disappear. Your hut's going to go underground again, underwater again, and you're going to be back to square one having lost a bunch of money. Surely anywhere else on the country is a better idea. Yeah, well, um, each blockhouse will house up to 64 people and those 64 people will share two kitchens, one toilet block and one cyclone shelter between them. Is this, Are you sure this is not driven by racism? Are you sure that they're not like, you know, we hate these refugees, let's go stick them Yeah, these, of dangerous. course, are the uh, Rohingya refugees that are yeah. coming across from uh, Burma and so forth. And it... You know, it, it, it does feel a little bit like out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. You know, if you're three hours boat ride from the mainland, um, then uh, we can't see it. We can't. We don't have to worry about it. They can't escape from it. They can't come back to the mainland. Uh, and if they, they all drown, they there. would probably be happy, right? And uh, if a big cyclone comes through and the whole island vanishes, then oops. Yeah. It, it does feel that way. It does now, feel that way. Yeah. I'm not there. I'm not a, uh, a, a a geologist or whatever, not geologist, but the kind of person who um, who studies you know these kind of landforms, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I can't comment on the stability of this island and the permanency of it. Um, I'm not in Bangladesh, but looking from the outside, it does seem to be a rather desperate situation. Yeah, um, it's certainly somewhere where I would not like to be. Um, you've got no options when you are that far from the mainland. You are on an island, and you know it. It really, in many ways, seems to be a way of you know bringing about some kind of, I guess, 
crowd control, refugee control, because if refugees are on the mainland, of course, if they don't like the camp that they're in, they might go someplace else. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want them to go someplace else, you know, maybe they're going to go and try and find work. They're going to try and better themselves, which is what you expect refugees to do. Then, uh, and, and if that is, you know, either real or perceived to be placing a restriction on your local population from getting jobs, from getting work, um, if they're seen as being criminals or, you know, something like this, then, you know, put them out on an island. Nobody can see them. The world can't see them. What are they going to do on this island? Are they going to be able to grow crops and free- feed themselves? Like, how are they going to survive? Like, what happens when they need new clothing or the women need sanitary items or everyone just needs fresh water? Like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? And this is part of the other challenge is because all of that has to come in by boat. But once again, if they're out of sight and they run out of those things, then how is the world going to know? I hate to be the cynic, but I feel like they just set the whole thing up for disaster and I'm hoping it'll just get washed away and they dealt with it that way. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, I, I have respected the fact that Bangladesh has taken in so many refugees when they are one of the poorest countries on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's That's... You know, they've, they've definitely had my respect for that. Maybe it's been a challenge for them, you know, not to take in refugees because their only option to not take them in is to, um, you know, to fight them off with their mm-hmm. army at the border. Uh, there are some countries that do that kind of thing. Um, they haven't chosen to do that. But uh, this does not seem to me to be a smart or a good solution. Yeah. This seems to be, you know, very concerning indeed. It'd be nice if some country put up their hand and said, hey, do you know what? You can come here. We've got space. I don't know. Can we just give them rottenness or something? Yeah. <laughs> they can go and live with all the quackers. I'm sure they'd enjoy that way, way more. It's a beautiful piece of paradise that we have it is, rather, here it is. in Australia. And uh, yes, Australia could possibly do a lot more than what it already is as far as refugees go. Anyway, this is uh, Lauren Daigle with Trusting You. You're listening to Faith FM. Letting go of every single dream I lay each one down at your feet Every moment of my wandering Never changes what you see I've tried to win this war, I confess My hands are weary
Welcome back, guys. That was Lauren Daigle with Trusting You here on Faith FM. Mon, have we got another clue for the quiz as Mon is busily drinking... Guzzle, guzzle. Guzzle, guzzling large amounts of water. How much water do you have in that container, Mon? Yeah, it's my new water bottle. I love it. It's, it's huge. Um, yeah, it's a 2.2 litre bottle of water. It looks like one of those mini, you know, those massive natural spring water bottles that you get at like, uh-huh. the office. Yeah, uh-huh. it's like a mini version of that. And I how just those, love it. How many of those are you going to drink per day? At least two. Oh, that's your yeah. aim. Well yeah. done. It's not my aim. It's what I do already. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't have too much trouble guzzling water. Cool. Anyway, clue number three with the what number am I quiz. The Lord told Abraham that his descendants would be enslaved for this many years. Lyle has hit his pen. Lyle has the answer correct. So if you have the answer correct, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text 491 Thank you so much for that, Mon. And joining us on the phone this morning is Ross. Ross is going to uh, be sharing with us uh, his testimony. Ross, welcome to the show. Yeah, w- w- welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Ross, um, I was just going through a bit of an email that you sent through to me here um, uh, the other day, just sort of giving me a bit of a brief of some of your experiences. And it seems like that in your early life, you weren't so keen on the idea of God and having a connection with God. Well, well, I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't raised in a uh, what you would say a Christian home. Um, Christ was never spoken about. The Bible was was an unknown thing, and uh, I uh, I had great parents. They they provided and done everything that they possibly could. Um, to the best of their knowledge, but there was just no Christianity. And sadly, um, we also had a monster that lived in the house um, uh, because of alcohol. Right. And, uh, yeah, so... I like the way you put that, because that's exactly what it turns humans into. It turns them into monsters. Sorry, I'm, I'm not hearing the lady very well. Oh, I'm just, I was just saying I like the way you put that, because that's exactly what alcohol does to human beings. It turns them into monsters. Yeah, and, and as a little boy, you know, going to bed every night, um, not knowing when that monster's going to raise its ugly head, it's it's not a conducive uh, environment for a little uh, for any child to grow up in. Now you've grown up in a home that where, where that is not a Christian home, uh, but you're here in Australia, so obviously you know you must have heard of God at you know at some point. You know God is not unknown in Australian culture. What was your view of God at that particular point? Uh, as a young child growing up, I didn't really have a view. I can remember going to Sunday school a couple of times, but it just didn't last. And um, and then I would hear. I would hear various people speak about God, and mostly it was always in the negative um, context. And the older I got, um, I, I guess, yeah, I just, just there was just never anything there to, to sort of want me to to know about God or whether he, he really existed. And and I can remember scripture classes in primary school. Um, but it just never, there, there was just never any connection made for me. And, um, but the strange thing was that, um, in August, uh, of 1982, 
81. Um, my father died. And the oh, night that sorry, he died yeah. was the, the the night that he died was uh, through pretty tragic circumstances. Him and myself uh, punched the living daylights out of one another until the police turned up because I was fed up with him um, coming home drunk and and beating up on me mother. Mm. And uh, how old were you at the so, time? Uh, I'd only just started full time work. I was uh, sixteen. Wow. Okay. Yep. And uh, anyway, the dad dad died that night um, because of uh, you know on the death certificate it says asthma attack, but the, the truth of the matter was it was alcohol because he he fell into a drunken sleep and couldn't wake himself out of his sleep to administer the medication that he so desperately needed. Mm. And uh, yeah, so um, but yeah, the, that's, that's, that's I, I, we didn't we didn't know that he died until the next morning because we we extricated ourselves out of that out of that house that night and went and slept at my sister's place and uh, we awoke in the morning to to hear the 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 uh, well it wasn't until like, we got back home that we understood the uh, the true implication of what's gone down and and it, the, the, this is the strange thing for me and and when I started learning from the Bible. Uh, like a uh, the green light came on to sort of say, yeah, this is for real because we're told that we have an enmity towards God mm-hmm. because of the sin problem. And the, that morning, the, the uh, there's this big burly copper standing in the front uh, door of my house and you know the, uh, my childhood home, and and he wouldn't let me in and. And uh, Dad's brother come to the door and and grabbed hold of me and just said, you know, your father's died. And I turned around and I looked up into the morning sky and I shook my fist and with a whole heap of profanity blamed God and told him in no no uncertain terms to to get stuffed. And so here's a kid that knows nothing about God or Christianity Yet, I turned around and blamed him um, for for the problem. And yet, only six, seven hours previously, I wanted him dead. I I told my father that night that, you know, if I could get hold of a gun, I'd I'd put a bullet through his head because I was that tired of him doing what he was doing. Yeah. And and just the strangest thing, you know, and, and what I, you know, I'm so sorry to God that I blamed him. That morning, sure, sure, and 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 obviously there's been a journey that's taken place uh, since then, and we want to we want to explore that. But before we do, just a, a couple of questions that I want to ask, and that is, you know, and I guess this is the question that goes through all of our heads is, uh, you know, this is not an uncommon reaction in this kind of a circumstance. You know, why do humans who don't have a knowledge of God, you know, when faced with extreme circumstances, either blame God or turn to God? Um, to me, it seems to be evidence that uh, God is actually evidence, there. Yeah, evidence that He does exist. Otherwise, why, why can you blame something that's unknown and unseen? Mm. Now, now, yeah. Ross, yeah, just coming back to your story very quickly. You're um, you're 16 years old at this time. You've had a, uh, a a brutal fight with your father. He's passed away. This has taken place as a result of of what you call the monster which is alcohol in your home, um, was this, you know, the, to, to, 
we, we would assume that having seen something like this, this would give you a hatred for alcohol. Is that what happened? Well, no, quite the opposite. Um, I could never understand why somebody, a person would drink something that would make them so violent, stupid, and then in the morning make them so forgetful for how they just carried on. And, and I hated it because we couldn't go, we couldn't go on a family picnic unless there was a carton of beer in the boot. We had to be home by a set time so he could be up the club with, with all his mates because his mates and snooker and fishing and shooting, they all come first. Uh, and, and the family come last, even though he's a good provider. Um, so, yeah, I, the, the, the day that he died and, and within, within a week, I, I actually started drinking even though I was underage. And, and because I, I was suffering, um, silently because, I, you know, I'd so willed my father to die that night. And then he died, mm. and 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 so I was going through all the guilt and shame, and and with nowhere to turn. Yeah, yeah. And and, and plus the, the the tragic you know loss, even though I, I wanted wanted him gone, and that's that's the hypocrisy of my heart. You know, the, the person that I so hated and wanted dead, when he turned up dead, I didn't like it. And this and, is and this uh, is this is human nature, really. This is there's nothing unusual in the experience that you went through. This is um, this is yeah. It's tragic that you know children will see how horrific a life uh, led by their parents and alcohol can be, and yet when it cam- comes time for them to to make adults of themselves, you know they know it's a bad idea, but it's the only thing they have to model on because that's what's been modelled to them their whole lives, and so they end up taking down the same path. And it's it's a tragic cycle and. Uh, my heart goes out to you, Ross, that you ended up, you know, within a week um, doing the same thing that your father did. How long did you end up drinking for? Did it become like an alcoholic problem for you? Uh, I was an alcoholic in the context of a weekend warrior. Um, I tended not to drink through the week um, because I found it too too difficult um, getting up and going off to work. So I tended to drink and I'd go out on Friday night and come home Sunday night and um, and, you know, eventually, I, I don't want to go into this too much because I don't want to glorify sin, but, um, you know, alcohol paved the way for for um, a whole heap of other um, substances, um, whereas, we're, you know, we, we're told by the media that marijuana leads to, to all these other substances. Well, alcohol led me to the whole lot, to the whole gamut. And I carried on that way for 32 years and... and in uh, August 1998, um, through alcohol and drugs, I had a uh, serious motor- motorcycle crash, showing off in, fr- in front of a crowd of people, and um, tried to be a smarty and ended up a jelly bean, and spent the next month in hospital and uh, major damage to me body and uh, can't sort of do physical um, labour anymore. So, so that where, was the that was that was the start of my um, God turning turning yeah, my and, life. And that was exactly my next question: out. is uh, yeah. where where was God during this whole process, yeah. and and how did how did how did you find God? Yeah, we're on the crash course. Did you run into Jesus? Okay, well, um, I never found God. God come come and found me, and 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 as I look back on it all now, I can see the various times that He was gently knocking on the door, looking for me. Um, but you know, because of this 
unknown thing. I I blamed him and and hated the world and um, I'd sort of locked myself in this dirty dark dungeon and that stunk and and I uh, I, I was I, I'd set up my own siege. But you know, at various times through my life, God sent different people to me and gently tried to speak to me about him and but i'd uh i'd turn around and ridicule them and mock them and and all this type of thing but the strange thing here again is i was playing the hypocrite because the the person that i so hated and detested and didn't know i secretly longed for uh, him to be true in my heart because i i could never understand you know, you'd look up into the night sky and, and, and try and wonder, you know, like, where does it all end? Where does it all start? And, uh, you, you think, you know, there's got to, there's got to be a greater power out there than just this little rock floating around in space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, God, God come knocking and, and on various occasions. And sadly for me, I, I, I refused entry to him on, on numerous occasions. And then, uh, after I had that motorbike, crash when I got out of hospital um, an old friend uh, and his wife started coming over on a Friday night and sharing different things about uh, health message and, and good living and all that type of thing and every now and again they'd throw in a uh, something about the Bible and I'd sort of oh you know and I'd say horrible things like bring back the days of throwing the Christians to the lions and all that and they'd, <laughs> the pair of them they'd walk out shattered you know and uh, anyway, I, I couldn't work at that, that stage. And uh, uh, Matthew um, would come over through the daytime and, and talk to me. And eventually, uh, he, he dropped the great controversy on my table. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, uh, and I sort of, oh, you know, because I'd opened up and looked at a few pages and I could see that there was biblical things there. And I wasn't certain about it, but... Um, it's in these times that somehow God picks you up in the cup of his hand and, and nurtures you through a period of time without you even realising it. And and, uh, and that's what he did with me. And because I, I couldn't go nowhere, I was totally relying upon other people to, to um, transport me anywhere and all that type of thing. So I started reading. And uh, I was a pretty good reader at that stage anyway, but... Uh, the first part of the Great Controversy was a little bit heavy, but it started answering a lot of unresolved questions I had in my heart, yeah? Mm. Why, why, you know, why do all these Christians hate and fight one another, yeah? A lot of wars have been created through, Christ- yeah, uh, religion, that type of thing. Anyway, so the Great Controversy started answering a lot of those um, unresolved questions for me and, and uh, basically... Uh, Within a few weeks, I uh, I finished the uh, finished the book and put it down, and I was under conviction big time, and and wrestling with the concept that I'd always told people if if they ever heard of me becoming a Christian, go and get a baseball bat and knock some sense into me. <laughs> how, <laughs> how am I gonna? How am I going to front up to all the people that I know, you know? And, and this is, and I knew in my heart with, with, with the most clarity that I'd ever had in my life, I knew that I, I that's, that there was a, a fork in the road ahead of me. Yeah. 
and I, I knew which one to take, but I, I, I debated it for maybe a couple of days, and I, I just couldn't help it. I, I, I had to go down the road that God was calling me, and, and, and it was the greatest, greatest decision that uh, he ever helped me make. That's fantastic, Ross. We're out of time, but uh, I'm so glad that we got to that point where you took the right fork in the road. You made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. And I just want to say that at the end of our show today, if you're interested in the book uh, that Ross read that changed his life so much to great controversy, we will be giving a copy away of it at the end of our show. So stay tuned uh, to see how you can snap up a copy of that powerful book yourself. That was Ross Wells sharing his testimony of how God changed his life. And right now we're moving on. This is uh, Francesca Batticelli, If We're Honest. Truth is harder than a lie. The dark seems safer than the light. And everyone has a heart that loves to hide. I'm a mess and so are you We've built walls nobody can get through Yeah, it may be hard But the best thing we could ever do Ever do Bring it
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Looking for some free, wholesome fun for the kids these school holidays? Maitland Church Library is having its annual holiday fun day for six to nine-year-olds. Activities include songs, crafts, Bible stories and snacks. Ooh, snacks. This is a one-day-only special event on Wednesday, April 17, starting at 9am. Do you register call 0411-222-760. Address is 72 Brunswick Street, East Maitland. Kids, you are welcome to bring all your friends, but book now as spaces are limited. That number again is 0411-222-760. Hey, are you part of camping caravanning scene? Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life, May 10 through 18, Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 024994-3220 or simply email graynomads at adventist.org.au. Ways and you walk with me through. 
Because you're 